we serve an awesome God, but you got to remember He is a faith God. I mean, He's a faith God. You know, you got to learn how to touch the hand of the King in faith. If you touch the hand of the King in faith, you can have anything from the King. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get it instantly. You may not get it instantly. Oh, and by the way, uh, I might say that this uh, lovely young lady up here on the front row, she called me Friday, Saturday night after the healing school, and she said, did you know you uh, were on with Sid Roth on It's Supernatural uh, Friday night? And I said, no, I, I didn't. Of course, I didn't answer her call back because it's so late when I got to the phone. But uh, evidently, our program, the one we went to Tennessee and uh, uh, filmed uh, two or three months ago, I don't even know how long ago it was, with my granddaughter, <coughs> It aired, and of course the radio show that I was—I'm still, I guess, being on the radio with Ed, with uh, Sid, all over because I'm having people call me from all over the United States about this testimony. It's amazing that I've had people call me from Washington, from Oregon, from all over the Northeast. Uh, it's just amazing that—and people—they—I don't know what they think. I just don't understand people, because especially women. You know, I guess I never did understand women. I was only, <laughs> I, I was only married to one forty-one and a half years. But we, we were pretty. You ladies are wonderful. I will have to say. But what I was started to say, I don't understand why when a woman calls me, and she said, "I want to talk to Thurman Scrivener," and I said, "Well, this is Thurman," and she said, "This is Thurman." I said, "Yes, ma'am." She said, you sound just like a normal man. I said, well, <laughs> ma'am, what did you expect? She said, after I heard this testimony, you must be something up on a pedestal. I said, no, ma'am, I'm just a normal guy. And, and, you know, I just talked to you about Jesus. And it just, and several times, several of those ladies said, I can't believe I got to talk to you and you're just a normal man. And I thought, <clears throat> I mean, you know, the things that we forget. I mean, the apostles were just normal men. I mean, Elijah was a normal man with like passions like we are, but yet he prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again and it rained, but he didn't pray once. He prayed seven times. So you've you got to realize that there's no difference. I mean, I mean, just because I had the faith to stand in the gap for my little granddaughter, and see her raised up technically from the dead and to run and play again. I mean, you can do the same thing. And that's what I'm trying to get across to you. You have this same power in you. It's not me at all. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory, that does these things. And he wants to release himself through you just like he does me. You know, so that's the whole secret of this whole thing, is realizing the Word, if the Word says it, we need to stand on the Word so we can see God do these mighty, wonderful things. Now, yesterday, for all of you, that some of you were at the healing school yesterday, some of you were not, but the healing school was finished yesterday at the, the Believer's Worship Center. It will never be held there again. You know, I was told they're changing some schedules and everything and that I would not be allowed to use that facility again. So I went in last night when I came in and corrected my website and took all of that out. I mean, it's gone. So anybody who goes to my website for the healing schools in the future, I said, the location to be announced. Well, when I got here today, Fred says, no problem, we can hold it here the second Saturday of every month. Also, what was that man's name? 
John Turnage. John Turnage. He came up to me last night, or yesterday afternoon at the healing school, and said, I have a huge facility. In fact, he said it was 20,000 square feet. He said, I have a 20,000 square feet facility. And he said, Dallas somewhere. Do you know where it's at? He said, I will get in touch with you. He said, I know you got lots of people to pray with, but he said, uh, I've got a big place like an amphitheater, and I don't know whether it's set up in different sections or what it is, but he said it's 20,000 square feet, and he said, you're welcome to use my facility for a healing school anytime you want to. So I don't know what all God's going to do, but I just know that, you know, he's in control. And so when I, when I have to leave one place, uh, you know, I know God's got a purpose for everything he does. And the last couple of times we've had the healing school over there at uh, Believer's Worship Center, it's almost been full. You know, we've had a good crowd the last two times. Yesterday we were in Fellowship Hall. It was full. Fellowship Hall was completely full. And I hated it that people had to come and sit on a steel chair instead of a cushioned chair for about four hours, you know, or so. But anyway, they did it. And so uh, if you can suffer through a healing school, you know, uh, for four hours... You know, but the Lord shows up. Amen. Does anybody have another testimony you want to give today before? Oh, Bo's got one? Let me have you the mic. We'll see what happens with you right under the speaker, Bo. I don't know. Well, I'll step away from him a little bit here. Um, Friday, my brother Todd came over to my house. And I have a couple of cats in the house. And Todd sat down in my chair, and my two cats start tearing around the house there. And he goes, you know, I'm allergic to cats. I go, that's so. He says, yeah, I went over to a friend's house the other day, and within a half an hour, I was stopped up. I had to leave. <laughs> and we took, I said, well, you know, if two agree is touching anything, we'll have what we receive from the Father. So we went to the Father. And we had fellowship for two and a half hours. Was that right, Tom? Two and a half hours. And he didn't have a single symptom. Amen. Because that thing was just a lie. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory. When you learn who the enemy is and the power that our king demonstrated over him, it changes the way you do business. I mean, for years I used to pray for people and beg and plead for God to do something for people. And I never saw him do nothing. I couldn't understand why I was going wrong. But I was praying for that which had already been given to me. That's what, that's what was so awesome to think that I'm asking God to do something. And I thought, I thought I'm trying to reach up and get a hold of God and convince him to do something he's reluctant to do. Until I found out, hey, he's already done it. And he gave it to me as a free gift right here in the Word. He told me all these things. And so then I started realizing who it was that was my enemy. It's the devil. And so this God that you and me serve demands that you and me believe him with no doubt in our heart. So when I take a precious little guy like Cody, Cody and his mother, the Adamsons, they were there again yesterday. And I got Cody to come up and tell his testimony again. And that's awesome to think of a little seven-year-old boy listened to a healing school and got such faith. Did you, did, did you get there in time to hear him? A little seven-year-old boy that couldn't eat. For years, he's seven years old, every time he eats, he has to take medication or he throws up his food. Well, what is it that could be? Did God make him like that? Absolutely not. So who done that? A demon. A demon. 
So the little boy comes up, I rebuke the demon, command him to leave in the name of Jesus. Now, how much power do we have over the devil? All. But what is it we don't understand about all? You know, so I just commanded him to leave in Jesus' name. I said, now, son, it's done. You're healed. Guarantee it. Because Jesus made you the promise. Now, you go home and eat what you want to and don't take no medicine. You won't need it. I said, remember, Jesus expects you to believe him. So he goes home. He has something to eat. His mama says, Cody, it's time for your medicine. Oh, he said, Mama, don't you remember? Jesus healed me. I don't need the medicine no more. She said, now, look, Cody, take your medicine. She, he said, no, I'm not taking it. Now, if you don't take your medicine, and if you throw up, I'm going to spank you. That's okay, Mama. I'm not going to take the medicine. And she says, from November till yesterday, he has never thrown up again. No medicine. Now, isn't it amazing? A little seven-year-old has that kind of faith, and he trusts the Lord. And did the Lord show up for little Cody? Amen. Amen. See, the Lord never fails when you believe him by faith. Now, then, if Cody just said, well, okay, my mom, I know that Thurman says that Jesus will heal me, but he said, I guess I better take my medicine to be sure. Guess what? He would have, that demon would have come right back in, and little Cody would still be sick. It just so amazes me. When I realized, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what astounded Sid Roth, just like it did uh, Brother uh, John up there in uh, uh, Baltimore. When we prayed for people, he said, I heard you say, and I've heard you say it over and over, when you pray, you guarantee it's done. And Brother Sid Roth, he said, Thurman, I just don't know how you do that. I said, well, Sid, if you can't guarantee something God guaranteed, then you're calling our king a liar. And he don't like it. Whoa. He said, I never thought about it like that. But that's what we do. If the king says, just exactly what Bo said a while ago in Matthew 18, 19, whatever two of us on earth agree on, it's done. I mean, that's, that's, a, promise, that's a promise from the king, isn't it, Bo? A king that cannot lie. And so then you sit there in your house and you have no more problem because that demon that's caused his brother to stop up with allergies because he was allergic to cats, he's no longer allergic to cats. See, that doesn't, that doesn't fit into the criteria of abundant life. So, anything does not fit into the criteria of abundant life, you kick it out, right, Sherry? Is that right? That's what David may do. Oh, I've got to tell you a story about Dave. Friday, me and him was trying to stand up an 18-foot wall, about 20-foot long. Two by sixes doubled, and let me tell you, that thing was some kind of heavy. So we put a six-foot ladder in there, and we get, he gets on one side, and I get on the other side, and me and him start up, and it's all me and him can do to pick this big two-by-six wall up, 20-foot long, 18-foot tall, with double two-by-sixes, 12-foot long at the bottom, all the way down, every, all the way many That booger is heavy. We get up about 45 degrees, and the wall slides. And when it slides on the concrete, it comes down on top of me and him. Now, we're doing everything we can to hold that wall up on us to keep from getting crushed. We hold it up. We get it down. Finally get it on the floor. And when we get it on the floor, he said, I don't know about you, but i got to have a drink of water before we try this again. <laughs> I said, yes, Dave, i got to have a drink and a little rest, too. So we went over and sat down and took time to think. And then he said, you know what we didn't do? I said, what's that? He said, we didn't ask the Father to send us a couple of angels to help us. I said, Dave, you're absolutely right. I went over to the gym to see if any men was over there, and for one, for one time there was nothing over there but a couple of ladies. I sure didn't want to ask those ladies to come over and help me pick up that big wall. Do you understand that, right, Jed? 
even though they were ladies working out there, I still didn't want to ask two ladies to come over and help me. So we rested about 10 minutes. We had a couple of glasses of water. And he said, I'm ready now. But I said, let's don't forget. Let's ask the king. Right. So we went over and I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, send us two angels to help us put this wall up. I said, Lord, thank you. It's done. Because you made us the promise. I said, you ready, Dave? He said, I'm ready. We reached down and get that wall. We picked that wall up, stand it right up, and it goes right in place. He says, boy, you sure did pick it up a lot better than you did last time. I said, I'm sick to say the same thing about you. I said, it wasn't even heavy this time. Now, who showed up for us? An angel. It was awesome that we suffer. I can just see those guys that sat over there now sipping their iced tea. With the feet kicked up saying, you know, if you guys had just asked, we'd help y'all. The Lord sent us to help you guys, but you didn't ask, so we can't help you till you ask, because we hearken to the Word of God or as it's spoken in the earth. You guys haven't asked for help. So if you guys had just helped, we'd help you. And so, praise God, he was thinking. Amen. We asked and praised the king and said, now we're going to do it. And you ought to have seen us. I mean, we reached out and picked up that big job. Well, we went up. That thing never even hesitated. It just went right up there, 18 foot tall, and just went right in place perfect. And he said, boy, you picked up a whole lot heavier stronger than you did last time. I said, I was thinking to say the same thing about you. I said, I wasn't any strain at all. He said, me either. See, when you've got a couple of good, big, boring angels helping you, I mean, I can just see that those two guys. Well, can't you move them one on each side and say, let's, let's help these boys. Let's don't pick it all up for them. Well, let's show them how we can help them. Put a finger under each side, just picked it right up and stood it up there. What can you do? Amen. It's a praise the Lord. Serving the King is awesome. I love serving the King. There's not anything like it when you get a hold of these magnificent beings that you can call upon to help you. You know, don't hesitate to help those. Ask those guys to help you. Because they're there. It's amazing how many times I've taught on angels and read about them and everything else. And then I get out there and I'm just like everybody else. I try to do everything by myself. And every once in a while, you know, that's why the Lord says iron sharpens iron. See, one man sharpens another. So Dave, at least he was thinking, praise God. You know, I was just, I was just thinking about Vaughn, you know, just standing it up, James. You know, you know how we are as men, right? We don't go and ask God for help. I mean, after all, he's invisible and he's not here anyway, right? No, wrong. He's here. He's waiting for you to ask. And so you ask, and man, did they show up. That was so easy to stand up that big giant wall. And we knew after we'd done it with me and him the first time and didn't make it, and it was so easy to stand it the next time, we knew we had help, didn't we, Dave? We knew we had help. Praise the Lord. Anybody else have another testimony right quick, Jim? But I just, I just want to thank the Lord. We serve a God that does exceedingly abundantly above all we can think or ask. And I think about the men's war stories. We've heard about the bulls and the cement and the walls, you know. And I praise the Lord. <laughs> but I know that the Lord helps us women too. I know we're supposed to be gracious and kind and helpful. But there's a time when we have to get violent with the enemy too. And I learned a lesson from my yard. I work out in the yard a lot. But I don't know if you know anything about crabgrass. Do you ever get out there? And I found it. 
after I came back from California. And you know, that stuff doesn't come out. I have to get my husband's military bayonet. You have to get down in there and dig that thing out. It's not going to come out. But that's like battling with the enemy. And not too long ago, um, I think it was last week or so, you know, he comes after us. We're in this battle. And you know, I had to open my window. Now, I'm sure if the neighbor had seen me, they'd think I was crazy or something. But you know, I had to open that window and I said, Satan, you get out. You know, you get out. You cannot do this against me anymore. Just get out. And I praise the Lord, though, that he is a healer. He's healed my back, work in the yard. I've learned how to call on the Lord to help. You know, and I had a doctor tell me, you know, Mrs. Owens, you're going to have to live with us the rest of your life. You're going to have good days and bad days. You know, I don't have a bad day with my back. Not long ago, about a week or so ago, old Satan hit me in the middle of the night. I had such pain. And, you know, you get those trolley horses, and this one felt like it was boring down in the bone. And, you know, instantly I cried out to the Lord, you know, Satan, you have no right to that. And, you know, that pain went away. Some battles don't go away. Some battles, uh, we were talking about this beforehand. I was thinking about the, the tooth in March. I think it was March. Remember, am I telling you about this tooth that broke? And I have an appliance that rests on that, too. Do you know that I've had not one bit of pain? Remember, I gave that testimony. Not one bit of pain have I had. It's an open, exposed, just a part of the tooth. And the Lord hasn't replaced it. He hasn't healed it. Yeah, I mean, he's healed it. I mean, it's not rebuilt. But you know, the Lord watches over that. Not one bit of pain have I had with that tooth. And I'm trusting him to do whatever he's going to do. Because I'm not going to go and spend hundreds of dollars on the Lord's work. Because I want to see what he's going to do. But I want to share something with you. And I don't want to take away from the family. There's a family you all prayed for. And... Fred and Wendell and a Thurman, and I know she's going to be here one day, but if you've ever dealt with anybody that had uh, demon possession or mental problems, you know it's a battle. It's a battle, but I want to tell you, I just praise the Lord. I had the privilege of driving up to Wichita Falls Wednesday and bringing back a precious girl that not long ago wasn't even in her right mind. Battle, battle, so many battles. And the doctor says she can go home. She's released. You know, we didn't have to ask. But I got the privilege of bringing her home. And I sat at, the, at a wedding of, um, of, of, of Vicki, you know, little Vicki that comes here and, and her daughter. And here was Victor. Thurman prayed for him in uh, February, the first part of February. He was only supposed to live 24 to 30 hours. Do you know what? Six months, and he's 80 years old, and he was sitting. They brought him down from the rehab, no wheelchair. He walked in. I walked in the church, and there was Victor, all dressed up in his suit, sat through the wedding, sat through the reception. You know, and it's been a lot more than 30 hours. The Lord is doing something. But when you And then here's the gal in the right mind, and there's the, the dad, 80 years old, sitting. What? Of praise. I just cannot thank the Lord and praise him. And not only that, for how he is with us every day. Every day he's so gracious. Every day he's so good. We get to the word of God. You know, I think I'm going to get someplace in the word. And I look down and I've only been in two verses. Because God just is so great and powerful in the Word of God. And I just want to offer him up praise. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Amen. Victor. It's amazing, in February when I got home that afternoon and his wife had left a message from him, we need to see you at the hospital immediately, we have an emergency. So I go running up to the hospital in Denton, there's Victor sitting up in the bed. All the family's around. 
I said, what wrong? <clears throat> he said, well, got the ceiling bed. My wife took me up here to check me out. They checked me, and they tell me that the diaphragm between my heart is uh, ruptured, and the blood's leading, bleeding from one side to the other side, and I'm a walking time bomb, and to call in the family, and I got maybe 24 to 30 hours max. Could die any second, they say. So he said, I told him I wanted a second opinion. And so he said, uh, they said, well, we've got the x-rays and everything here and all the reports that shows it, and we've got two other doctors here, and we called him in. They looked at it, and they say the same thing. So he said, sir, I'm sorry, but for you it's over. He said, well, I need a, another doctor's report then. He said, what do you mean another one? He said, I want to call Dr. Thurman. <laughs> Dr. Thurman. He said, who in the world is Dr. Thurman? He said, he's my preacher. He's my preacher. And said, when he comes, he brings Dr. Jesus. And said, he's the best physician in the universe. Amen. So they didn't know how to take this. So I, I went up there when I walked in. I saw him sitting on the bed. I said, Vic, you want to live or die? He said, oh, I'm going to live. That's why I called you. I said, okay. So I said, what, what uh, scripture are you going to stand on to base your healing on? He said, James 5.14. He said, that's a guarantee from God. He said, James 5.14. He said, you anoint me wrong. He said, I'm going home. So I got out the bottle of oil and all of these grandbabies and all, you know, all these are all grown men and women. Some of them are in the ministry. I said, your daddy, grandfather, he has uh, great faith. He believes God's word. So I said, I'm going to anoint him with oil on this promise right here, and I'm going to guarantee you your granddaddy and daddy is not going to die. He's going to go home. So I reached up and anointed him with oil and prayed the prayer of faith over him. And I said, it's done. He said, it's done. I'm going home. Doctor said, you ain't going home. He said, I'm not going to let you go home. See, the doctor, from what he's seen, knows he's a walking time bomb. But this doctor don't believe this book. This doctor is like most other people in this world. He don't believe the Word of God. I mean, we say we do. We say we're Christian. We say we believe this book, but we really don't. But Vic did. And I did. And so, doctor wouldn't let him go home. He said, I'll tell you what I will do for you, Vic. He said, you stay overnight... And if you can get up and put your clothes on in the morning and go home, I'll let you go home. See, the doctor expected him to be dead in the morning, see, because of what he saw. We always go by what we see, don't we, James? And fortunately, we go by what we see. So he said, okay, I'll spend the night. So he spent the night. Next morning when the doctor come in, he's up, dressed, walking around. He said, well, I'm ready for you to sign my papers. I'm going to the house. The doctor said, well, okay, okay, I'll let you go. He told his wife, he said, Gloria, I hate to tell you this, but your husband is a walking time bomb. He's going to die any second. He's saying the wrong things with his mouth. But Vic is saying the right things. And I said the right things. Well, from February till today has been a little longer than 30 hours. Not much, but a little. You know, and Vic's still blowing and going. You know, so all I got to say is God's Word is the most awesome thing in the universe. Now, if you can believe it, you can see God do wonderful things. But when you pray and ask Him for something, you don't turn and take a promise that God said that He would do something and turn and say, well, I'm not sure what He's going to do. Maybe if it's will, He'll heal you this time. If it's not, He won't, because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to guarantee you in that case exactly what He's going to do. If I'd have prayed that kind of prayer of faith for Him, He'd have been dead. And that's just like Miss Jan over here. She knows another young man that on the day, National Day of Prayer, I was asked to speak up at Flower Mound at the City Hall, and I went up there to speak, and there was a young man there, and he goes to Lakeland Baptist Church, on staff at Lakeland Baptist Church, right? Not on staff, he's 
Oh, okay, sings in the choir. Okay, not on staff, but he goes to Lakeland Baptist Church. He's a singer, and that was going to be his last event that he was going to sing at before he went for surgery. Already had surgery scheduled for his back. Had back problems for a long time. Miss Vicky went and got him after it was over and had him come over there. And I told him, I said, I guarantee, God's got a guarantee in his word. He'll heal you. If, you let, if I pray for you in faith, I guarantee God will heal your back. All you got to do is believe with me. And he, so I showed him the scriptures and quoted them to him. He said, okay. I laid hands on him, prayed for him. And that was on a Thursday afternoon. And by Sunday, he was already completely healed, wasn't he? Oh, it was immediate. With him, it was immediate. So he was healed right there. And so he's been going ever since then. No more back problems. Now, I mean, do we serve an awesome Jesus or do we serve an awesome Jesus? But see, we serve, we serve a Jesus that the power went away 2,000 years ago. That's what they told you, right? Now, this little lady right over here, she said that she'd been going to a church that she had read these promises and the pastor would tell her. But those, those things that happened in the books of Acts, those were only for the apostles. Those things don't work for us today. She said, I just couldn't believe that. Amen. And so she said, when she heard me on the radio, said she just made it a point every day to listen to my radio show. And then she decided to come to one of my healing schools, and she did. She's been to two of them now. And she says, now then, she believes the Word of God like it's written. That's the way it's supposed to have been all the time. But we've got many, many people that God has healed and delivered. We see it happen on a regular basis. Now then, like... Jan also said some of the demons don't go away instantly. Some of them are resistant, and they fight to the tooth and nail. But we have to stand the test and continue to stay with it because God guaranteed you as his children to heal you. He healed you on the cross. He guaranteed you power over the enemy. He guaranteed you abundant life. But he told you you would have to take it by force from the enemy. See? He gave us a perfect picture of this when we walked in. When the children of Israel, he brought them out of Egypt and showed them all of the magnificent miracles that he performed. I mean, can you imagine? I can't even fathom this taking as many people almost as in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. I mean, do you realize there's about 3 million people in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex? Can you fathom one man leading this herd of people without any cars? And no highways. And we're going to lead them up to the edge of the Red Sea where there's an opening about two, two miles wide. And Moses stands up and waves his staff. And a, a natural bridge, which is still there today, which comes perfectly from sand, down to 900 feet deep and nice and smooth, rises out on the other side. And on either side of this natural bridge, the ocean, the sea, is 5,000 feet deep. And God opens that back. Right before their eyes, the water heaps up on either side in these huge mountains, and the wind blows all night, and the next morning, look, and there is dry ground and a paved highway with sand all the way across. That's not muddy or nothing. And the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex walks across that the next day and out the other side. I can't even fathom that. I can't even fathom. We, we see the Ten Commandments, and we see this little picture of a few... Hundred people walking across and think that's the way it was. That wasn't the way it was. That was millions of people. Maybe as many as is in the entire Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex that walked across that sea and they came out on the other side and then they watched Pharaoh's army be released and they come across there and when they got out there, 
then God let the waters come in and drown them all in 900 feet of water. Actually, he didn't wait until they got 900 foot. They found those chariots, chariots and chariot wheels still today completely intact with their gold on them out there with a coral which coming, grew up over them so even the wood didn't deteriorate. They have found them completely intact today to confirm that the sixth dynasty of the Pharaohs went into that sea and those chariots are still out there today. And they have got them and found many of them. They're in there. Something confirms what the Bible says. And then these people saw this and then they walk up to the land of promise. And he looks in and he says, Okay, my children, I give you the land. Go in and pursue it. And so they sent a few spies in there. And they come back and said, My goodness, there's giants in the land. The people are big. But the fruit's big. Ooh, look at this bundle of grapes. Two of us have got a bundle of grapes on this thing. Can you imagine me a stick of mom and one way back in and a huge bundle of grapes dragging the ground? Well, you talk about a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a land full of milk and honey. And they saw all those magnificent things. And God says, I will go with you. I will be with you. But go in and pursue and take the land. And ten of them came back with an evil report said, Lord, we can't do it. Only two did. That's exactly the way the church is today. Our king came to this earth 2,000 years ago, whipped the devil. Completely destroyed Satan and his power. Took away all of his power. I mean, all through the scriptures. I mean, First John 3, 8, he clearly said Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews 2, 14 clearly says that by becoming flesh and blood. He destroyed him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. And in Colossians 2, 15, he said he triumphed over Satan, completely disarmed him, and completely triumphed over the devil in the cross. And then he turned to you and me in Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20, and said, Behold, I give unto you authority to trample on Satan and his demons. All power is given to you over them. They shall in no wise hurt you. Be not thankful that those evil spirits have to be subject to you, but rather be thankful your name's written in heaven. And what do we do? Every time the devil comes upon us because we can't see him, we just fall, and we don't believe we can take the land by force with the Word of God. So, two people in the church and ten in the church, just about that kind of odds, maybe even more so, maybe more than ten today, does not believe we have power over the enemy. The average Christian today, and I guess the, it, the ratios are probably even much greater than two to ten. I may be wrong, but... I mean, since I was raised up in a church that never knew the power of God, never saw a miracle, never heard demons preached to, never was taught what my power was over them, never seen a demon cast out, never prayed for a sick person and saw them healed. I mean, what do you think I'm going to think as a Christian? I have no power. I mean, the men standing in the pulpits, they're not teaching it. Well, a few days ago, a man gave me a tape, gave Tim Wendell and I a tape. And he said, I want you guys to listen to this tape. He said, Miss Baxter has made this tape, and it's a, a divine revelation of hell. I think, understand she had this trip in like 76 or something. It's been a long time ago, nearly 30 years ago, that this woman, when Jesus came into her bedroom one night and told her where she was, kneeling and praying at 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, this is not a normal woman. 
a woman with a family that's taking care of all the needs of her family, and her husband's in bed asleep, and the children are in bed asleep, and it's 2 a.m. in the morning, she's still on her, on her face before God praying. That's not a normal woman. That's not a normal woman. That's why God came to this woman, because this woman was a woman that sought God. She spent time with the king. So he came, and he showed himself to her, and said, I'm going to catch you into the spirit, and I'm going to take you into the bowels of hell. And I'm going to show it to you. And then I want you to write it down, what I show you. And I'm telling you, as she goes through this big tunnel, she said, I see these wicked beings that are chained to the wall. I said, Lord, what are those? He said, those are demons that are yet to be released on the earth. Then we get down here, and there, there is a woman. She said, there's a skeleton. I mean, a woman screaming. She said, this is a woman. And I hear her screaming. And said, flesh is falling off of her body. You know, from those bones. There's, there's no eyes, just sockets where eyes should be. And she's in pain, screaming. And she sees Jesus. She said, Lord, give me another chance. Forgive me. She said, Lord, I realize I didn't serve you. I, oh. Anyway, the Lord, she, she says, what, is, what happened? Why did this woman get here? He said, I sent many people to try to draw her into my kingdom. But she was more interested in the things of the world. She was a beautiful woman. She wanted to be involved in the entertainment industry. She didn't have time for me. I sent many people. She said, no, Lord, I, I, I love my power and my money. I enjoy doing what I'm doing. And tomorrow I will serve you. But she said, she, tomorrow never came. And then she was killed in a car wreck, and she died. And so now then, she's here forever. And she said, but Lord, give me another chance. This time I will serve you. And he said, even Jesus prayed for her right there. But the Father spoke and said, judgment has been set. Once you get to hell, you can't come back. Then he says, you go down there, and there's a casket laying there. And screams of torment. Demons are running around this casket, sticking spears through this casket. Who is that? He said, that was one of my preachers. And he preached the gospel. said, there's thousands of people that come to know Jesus through his ministry. But said, he didn't preach all the gospel. He lied about it. He said, there's things that don't work today. Things I clearly said in my book. He would not preach. Or he would preached them incorrectly. They said, I couldn't do these kind of things no more. So because he lied to the people and deceived the people, he's in hell today. And he's in extremely heavy torment because he did not preach my word. I thought about what the Word of God says in James chapter 3. Be not many masters or teachers of many different things, because if you are, greater will be your condemnation. You know, when you take on the responsibility of being called by God to preach His Word, whatever area He gives you revelation in, you better learn it, everything there is to learn, and you better act upon it just like He said. Now, there's people who said, Thurman, tell us what's going to happen in the end times. I said, well, I know Jesus is coming again. I don't know when, but I don't know a lot about end time things. I've never studied it in great detail. That's not one of my things. I can't discuss it with you. I'm not 
a, a teacher of many different sections of the Word of God. I only know one section really well. One section I know that Jesus came to pay the price for your sins. And He loves you. And He paid the price for every human being. And anybody that wants to can come into His kingdom and accept Him as Lord and Savior. And He'll save every one of you every time that you come in and accept Him. Now He says, go and be holy. Walk in perfection before me. You mean I can't, that means I can't go out here and live with this girl out of wedlock while I'm a born-again Christian? That's exactly what it means. You can't do it. You can't do it and go to heaven. Now they said, but you know, the blood of Jesus. That's okay. I'm not going to be dogmatic about it. If you want to walk over there on the side and fall into a pit of hell, I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. I'm going to tell you Jesus said, be ye holy because I'm holy. I'm going to tell you Jesus said, go and sin no more. So if you're going to continue to live in an adulterous situation with another woman, or maybe you're cheating on your wife and you don't want her to know, and you're going out of town on a regular basis, and you're going to some a prostitute, or you've met some girl in another city, and nobody in the world you think is going to know, I'm going to tell you the king knows everything you've done wrong. And I'm going to tell you that he says in his word, the people that do that, people that live in adultery, shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now that's what Jesus said. So I'm not going to put him to the test. Are you, James? No, I ain't about to put the king to the test. Now, I'm going to preach his word just like he said it. If you can't believe it or you don't think like it, and there's been a lot of people in the year and a half that I've been here that come to this church, and some of them came here and got healed, but they don't like my message of perfection, holiness. And many of them have gone their own ways. And somebody told me the other day, you know, there's a certain couple, they're really talking bad about you. I said, that's okay. I don't care. I don't care what anybody says because everything I say, I back up with this mighty book. Now then, if I back up what God says with it is written, and I don't teach you anything except what he says, and he continues to show up here and do miracles for us, Jesus must be a little bit pleased with me, I hope. If he wasn't pleased with me, he wouldn't be showing up, would he, Sherry? So if he's pleased with you, he'll show up for you. Just like this lovely little lady here, Dave's wife. I mean, she tells me the time. He said, man, he said, if I need somebody to pray for me, I'm going to get my mate. He said, I'm telling you, when she prays, heaven comes down. <laughs> that right, Dave? I mean, he said, when she talks to God, he shows up. See, so that's the kind of woman to have, guys. That's the kind of woman to have, that if you've got a need somewhere, and you can't touch the hand of the king in every case, well, then you get that lovely wife of yours that's staying in touch with God, and she comes and agrees with you, and the two of you can pull God down, and you can get your answer to your prayers. Now, that's the kind of woman to have. A woman that prays and believes God, you know. So, of course, now, for you ladies, you need a man like that, too. And you guys that are husbands, you need to be like that. If you're not, I'm going to tell you, God's going to hold you accountable one day. When you stand in his presence, you're going to be accountable to the king. And we have not realized that. Now, I'm going to show you from the word of God the most important thing that we've got to do. And this is where Satan gets us. Now, as I have studied this book, I used to not have any idea why, if our Savior has defeated Satan completely and totally. And as I begin to understand a little bit about healing and deliverance and the power we have over the devil, 
then why in the world is it that the devil appears to be running everything, everywhere you go, even in the church? As I begin to learn, Jesus healed every human being that whenever they come to Christ, they were healed. Not only were they saved, they were healed. Then I ask that question to God. God, why? Why is so many of us sick? Well, he said, you were sick the first 40 years of your life. But you accepted me when you was 11. And I got to thinking about that. Well, that's true. I mean, I wasn't sick all the time, but I mean, when the flu came up on me every year, when the symptoms come up, what do you think I said in the morning when I turned over to my bride? Even 10, 20 years after she was my bride, I'd wake up with a stopped-up head. I'd wake up and I'd say, wow, I got a head. She said, man, you you got a stopped-up head. Let me run and get you some whatever. You got a flu this morning. Guess what? I'd agree with her. You know, did we know anything about Jesus being the healer? I've been in church all my life, ever since nine months before I was born. I've been in church, but I don't know that Jesus is the healer. So what can I do? How can I receive something by faith that I don't know this mind? Well, I just say, well, honey, sure, I do feel bad this morning. I mean, I really feel sick, but I'm going to try to go ahead and go to work anyway. You know, I was pretty tough. I didn't give up easy. But I'd go to work in two or three, four weeks later, you know, I'd finally beat this thing off with enough medication, you know. How many of y'all ever done that? Everybody in here has, I'm sure. But I learned a great principle 17 years ago. And if you'll listen to me, and you'll do what I do, because I did it from this book, I'm going to guarantee you, you won't never have to have another sick day in your life. It's worked for me for 17 years. Just like my son the other day, we went through something that I won't tell you about in detail till a later date. But for the first time in my life, I had to go get an attorney this last week. I won't tell you why. But the lawyer, when my son made contact with a lawyer because the devil came into our family, he says, uh, what kind of shape is your dad in? He said, well, first of all, he's 64 years old. He said, well, a man that age doesn't need to be doing what he says he's going to do. My son said, but my dad's in excellent shape. He said, well, bring him in and we'll talk to him. When I walked in and met him and shook his hand and talked to him a few minutes, he said, your son had a lot of complimentary things to say about you. And he said, now I know why. He said, at 64, you don't look 64. He said, you don't act 64. And I said, that's only a number. I said, I know the king and I've learned his benefit package. And he says in Psalms 103 that he forgives all of my iniquities. He heals all of my diseases. He saves me from the destruction that comes upon the earth. He satisfies my mouth daily with good things. And he renews my youth daily like the eagle. So I found the fountain of youth and I'm never going to grow old. I'm going to stay young all of my life because I'm going to confess God's word. And I said, besides that, when I pray, I see God do miracles, including raise the dead. He said, wow, now I know why your son said the things he said about you. He said, I don't run into many men like you. I said, what a shame. Guess what? You should, every man you run into should be just like me. Am I any different than any of these other men? Not technically. You know, I've got a head and a body and two arms and two legs, and, but there's only one difference. I've studied this book. And then when I study this book, just like Dr. Ben Smith says about me, he said, Thurman challenges us all. But he said, Thurman is, although he's well-educated, he's a very simple-minded man. 
if God said it, Thurman just believes it. Hey, that's a good place to be, right, Sherry? If me and you both can agree on that, right, girl? If God said it, you can believe it, right? If God said it, you can believe it. And if God said it, you believe it. And then if you're willing to act on it, you'll get to see God do awesome, wonderful things in your life. But you've got to act on the Word. Now, I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 4 to start off with today. Proverbs chapter 4. Now, this is a very, very powerful verse. Proverbs 4.20, to start off with. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, he says, My son, attend to my words. Now, that don't just mean one or two of the words in this book. It means all of them. My son, that means daughters too for you ladies. My children, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Again, those are his words. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. That's your spirit. For they are life unto those that find them. Boy, is that a promise. If you find these words, and you keep these words and these sayings in the midst of your eyes and your heart, what will they produce? Life unto those that find them. How about those that don't find them? you got a problem. What's the opposite of life? Death. So those that don't find these words, you can be sure you're going to be set for an earlier death than you would be if you find these words. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. So what is it that's going to give you a long life and good health? The Word. The Word of God. Well, how are you going to make this come to pass? How are you going to make this come to pass? Because in my life, I thought, since I watched my mother go through a couple of surgeries, breast cancer, I remember the day as a young man that I sat there when they had removed one of my mother's breasts, and they was trying to put those IVs in her arm, and all of her veins had collapsed, and they was trying to find one, and that nurse was sticking her with needles, and she was saying, Thurman, please help me. They're hurting me. Don't let them hurt me. My heart was broke. But I didn't know enough about this book as a young man at that time even to know. I didn't even pray for my mother. I just sat there and just like a dummy. I know none of y'all have ever been guilty of going through something like that. I knew all of y'all knew what to do under those times of trials and tests. But I didn't know what to do. I'm just going to be honest with you. I had no knowledge that I could stand on this word. I just didn't know. Because unfortunately, all the different churches I'd been to all my life never taught me what I could do as a son of God. So it breaks my heart now to think what my mother and my dad suffered. I remember coming in one afternoon when I was 15 years old. I mean, you know, when you're 15 years old, you know you're immortal. Yeah. I mean, don't you? I mean, you, you, as a young woman, you remember 15, there was nothing could kid you, right? You're just like I was. When I was 15, I, I mean, I knew I was going to live forever. I mean, just, I just didn't realize how fragile the human body was and how quick life could be snuffed out. But I wasn't afraid of nothing. But I walked in one day at 15, my dad sitting there in a chair, 50 years old, all laid back, you know, his head back. He's, I could tell dad's in pain. 
Dad was always a hard worker. He had heavy equipment, bulldozers. He worked hard. I said, Dad, you all right? He said, yeah, son, I'm okay. I said, well, what's wrong with you? He said, oh, he said, I've hurt my back today. Picked up some stuff too heavy, and he said, my back's killing me. I said, well, Dad, what can you do about it? He said, oh, son. He said, you'll understand one day. He said, you know, when you get 50, he said, it's just the way of life. He said, this is just the things that happen to you. He said, when you get 50, you'll understand because pains will just come up on you. He said, there's not really anything you can do about it. He said, just take another Anderson and go on. There's nothing you can do. Well, see, I didn't know and he didn't know. But I have far, far exceeded 50. And guess who has had no pains? Me. Because I learned something my daddy didn't know. My dad spent too much time working, making a living for us, and too little time reading the Word of God. Then my mother spent a lot of time reading the Word of God, but the words she read never became a revelation to her. Big difference. When you pray and read the Word of God, if you spend the time with the King, He will open the Scriptures to you, to your understanding. Because I'll tell you for sure, years ago, when He spoke to me the first time, I was absolutely awestruck that the King would speak to me in an audible voice. But He's done that many times since then, and given me revelation, and told me that what His Word says is exactly what it means. You know, I've heard His voice many times. Many times He's told me. And so as I have heard that audible voice and acted on these words, now then I really, I still, Lord, I still love to hear Your voice. I would love it if You would speak to me. But if You never speak to me again, I'm privileged and thankful that You've spoken to me about 30 times. And I know, Lord, I'm so grateful for that. But if you never speak to me again, other than right here in the Word, I'm still going to believe exactly what this book says with no deviation in my heart. Because every time he ever spoke to me, what he said always lined up exactly with what was already written in the Word. So when you get this revelation, he said there, these words, if you hang on to every word and every saying in his Bible, in his owner's manual, they will bring life unto you and health to all your flesh. So do you think it would be a good idea to read it? Oh, yes. It's very important that you read it. Then, let's go from here to Matthew chapter 12. If you don't think it's important that you know this word, I want to show you what he's going to do for you in Matthew chapter 12. And we'll go to Matthew 12, 36 and 37. In Matthew chapter 12... Verse 36 and 37, the Word of God declares, and this is Jesus speaking, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. And for by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. I used to read that and didn't have a clue what that meant. And then one day, I began to get a hold of what that meant. And the verses I was reading that made that a revelation to me, I read them in James chapter 3. Now, I want you to go with me, remembering what they say you're going to be judged for every idle word that you speak. Not just every word, but every idle word. And your words, you shall be justified or you shall be condemned by your words. So I want you to turn to James chapter 3. James 3, we're going to start out with verse 1.
James 3 verse 1 says, My brethren, be not many teachers or many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. So don't try to be a teacher of this entire book and know that you have the answer to everything. This book is far too powerful for you to know everything about eschatology, everything about healing, everything about deliverance, everything about salvation. No human being can know it all. So find you a subject that you believe God can use you with and begin to master that section of the Word of God. And if you will, He will give you revelation on it. It is just amazing how this book is so magnificent that no human being could learn it all. I think about how many of you, when you were in school or college or whatever, or high school, you read the story about George Washington Carver. I mean, that's probably not in schools anymore. But when I was a young man, it was still there. And George Washington Carver, he went before God. You know, we used to talk about God a little in school other than take his name in vain in the, in the bathrooms. You know, we never dreamed about doing those kind of things when I was in high school. But George Washington Carver went to God and he said, God, I want to know the secrets of the universe. I'm going to be a scientist. I want to know the secrets of the universe. And he begged and pleaded with God. And finally, God spoke to him one day and said, George, you, you can handle it. He said, I'll tell you what I will do. I can't share with you the secrets of the universe because you couldn't handle it. But I'll tell you what I will do. I will share a few of the secrets of the peanut with you. Just the peanut. And what did George Washington Carver do with the peanut? I mean, he came up with so many inventions from the peanut. Nearly everything you enjoy from the peanut today, everything that's made from the peanut, that guy came up with it. Isn't that amazing? Now, if one man, God, can begin to reveal one little teeny tiny thing like the peanut to one man because he pleaded with God to give him some revelation about the cosmos, which he knew he couldn't handle that. There's no, none of us. Did you realize that in the cosmos out there, we don't know nothing about the cosmos. Did you know only just a few years ago, only 500 years ago, we thought the earth was still flat. We thought that when Columbus sailed, he'd run, he'd fall off the edge. That's what we knew about the earth. Oh, we don't. And today, of course, we know that it's round, but still, we don't know nothing. We think we know everything. And did you know that if you could travel at the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles a second, now that's almost as fast as your Chevrolet, because if you could take a bullet and you could shoot it right there level, it's only about 25,000 miles around the earth. Only about 25,000. If you go find you a good, fast, supersonic jet, it takes you about four hours to get in Houston to Paris on a supersonic jet. On a regular one, it takes about seven hours, seven or eight hours. And that's flying at five, six hundred miles an hour. And we think that's awesome. But if you could travel at the speed of light, you could stand right here, and if the bullet could stay with the contour of the earth, you could pull the trigger and say 1,001, and it would go around the world seven and a half times in 1,001 seconds. I mean 1,001. That's one second. That's pretty fast, isn't it? But if you could travel at that speed, and you could go straight, and you could travel for four years at that speed. One second, you go around the world seven and a half times. But you could go straight for four years, you would get to the closest star in our galaxy. The closest one. I mean, that's pretty far out there, isn't it? And who made that? God. And he sits on the edge of the universe and calls all them stars by name. He got them all named. Ain't one of them out there he didn't make. And you, you think you can understand God? Give me a break. He is so awesome. He can do anything. But look what he did give us in this book. 
For, in verse 2, for in many things we offend all. Boy, did we do a good job there. If any man offend not in word, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle or control the whole body. I read that and I meditated on that. Lord, if I can learn how to speak this word, I can control my body. Then he goes on to say in verse 3, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about the whole body. In other words, you take a big 1,500, 2,000-pound giant horse and a little 30 or 40-pound girl or boy in a play day can get up there on that big horse and grab that horse by the reins, and some of them have been trained since they was babies, and I've seen children get up on them big play day horses and get out there. Some of them guys scare me they're so powerful, and some little bitty girl or guy gets up there, a little bitty tiny stuff, put their feet in that thing and tell that horse, let's go. And whip that horse, and man, like a rocket. They go out there, and they whip around that barrel, and they come back, and they whip around that barrel, and that big 2,000-pound animal, that little tiny thing is sitting up there making that horse do everything he or she wants that thing to do. Isn't that amazing? Tiny little thing. And you think, wow, how many times have I seen, how many of you ever been to a play day and seen a six or seven or eight-year-old kid out there just running with big monsters and just doing all kinds of things? You think, goodness, surely that child needs to be a little bigger to be on that big monster. But that child is directing that big beast with a bridle in his mouth. He's showing us what we can do. Then he says, he talks about ships. Verse 4, though they be so great and are driven by fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small rudder. And eat, verse six, five. even so the tongue, your tongue, is a little member, and it boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body. I stop and meditate on that. My tongue defiles my whole body. And it sets on fire the course of nature, and it's set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of bird, and of serpent, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. What is your tongue full of evil? Who is controlling your tongue most of the time? The devil. No man can control the tongue. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brother, these things ought not to be. I think about that. Lord, how in the world do I do that? He said, it's easy. You come to church, and you praise me, and you talk about me. 
back in those days when I began to get revelation, he couldn't have said, you hold your hands up and praise me because there was no way I would have done that in church. Nobody else did. So I mean, so why should I do that? You know, I didn't even know you were supposed to do that. I didn't even know the word said to do that. So, I mean, I was a normal, traditional Christian that never got to see God do anything. But I didn't have any idea. As you meditate on this word, he says, you bless me with your tongue. And then you leave, you're speaking a curse on your body. Is that what he said? Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. But he talks up there, he says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle or control the whole body. I said, Lord, if that is true, and it must be because it's in your word, that means I can speak to my body and make my body be in dominion or control of my tongue, which is going to be led by my spirit, which is controlled by the Holy Spirit. So that means that I have control over my physical body. He said, that's right, son. So then... I realized that when I said, when I was a young man, everybody began to tell me. When I got 20 years old, I walked up to my uncle one day. He was about 45 years old, and he was beginning to get a fairly large tummy on him. I reached up and punched him in the tummy, and I said, Uncle Glenn, you need to go on a diet. You need to lose some weight. He said, Oh, Thurman, this is just a normal thing that happens to men when they get in middle age. I said, No, I will never be overweight. I didn't realize the power of my tongue. But I started saying as a young man, never will I be overweight. I have never had a problem with my weight. Never. I control my body with my tongue. But I went far beyond that. The men that worked for me in the engineering field, when I learned these things, were going into a freezer. That's 20 degrees. 20 below zero. Zero to 20 below. We're getting ready to go into a box that's zero degrees. We're going to check out some things, and they go get their big overcoats. And I, I got on my slacks or my uh, whatever, and I maybe even short sleeve or maybe just a long sleeve shirt. They said, you need a jacket. I said, no, I'm not going to be in there that long. I won't need it. We go in there and we look. Maybe we have to make an adjustment on the expansion valve or something. We're checking superheat or whatever, and I'm in there. And they said, how do you stand it in here? I said, no problem. It's not bothering me. What did the Lord say I can do to my body? I can control it. How do I control it? With my tongue. So I speak to my body and command my body to stay warm when I'm in that cooler. I demand every system in my body to work like it's supposed to so my body stays warm. I go in that cooler and that freezer and I'm able to stay in there longer without a coat on than they can with a coat on and they could never understand. I said, guys, you need to learn to believe God. That goes over their head this high. So then we go from the zero degree freezer down to the ballroom on a summer day, which is 130 degrees. 120 to 130. Quite a contrast, huh? Zero to 130. They walk in. They take their coats on the way to the ballroom. They take everything off down to their short sleeve shirt. We walk into the ballroom. I haven't changed anything. I've still got the same exact clothes on. I walk right in there. We're down there talking about a boiler. And in 10, 15 minutes, sweat is pouring off of them. They're soaking with the sweat. And I don't hardly have a bead of sweat on my body yet. Just a few little tiny drops. How do you do this? 
I said, I speak to my body. I control my body. Now then, people say, I don't believe that. Okay, it won't work for you then. God is a faith God. If you don't believe it, it's that simple. Jesus, through the Apostle James, and through the Apostle Matthew, and through whoever wrote the Proverbs, all these different things, he told us about the tongue and how powerful it is. Now then, I begin to get a hold of this. If all of these things are true, if everything is true that we're talking about here, and he also said that when our tongues will defile the whole body, as he said there, then I begin to understand how the enemy defeated us as Christians. We live in a realm that's controlled by your tongue. We live in a realm that Jesus, every time Jesus healed somebody, how did he do it? He spoke words. He rebuked the enemy. He spoke to a kingdom that you and I cannot see with a natural eye. Acts 10.38, Jesus anointed with the Holy Ghost and power that went, that came to heal all that was oppressed of the devil. So where does sickness and disease come from? The devil. If we have been given all power and authority over the devil, and he has to be subject to us, then why do we agree with him with our tongue whenever sickness and disease comes upon us, the first thing the average person does is agree with the devil with your tongue. I did it for years. I did it out of stupidity. I did not know that I had power over the enemy. I did not know that my tongue would either put me over in life or it would defile me in life. I didn't know those things. But when I began to read this book, I began to understand the importance of my tongue. And I learned that God holds me so accountable for my words that by my words I will be condemned or by my words I will be justified. Now then, if the devil comes upon me to put a symptom upon me, and he certainly will, and this is something I read an article that a doctor, this guy had been a doctor, he'd studied for like 12 years and then studied four years in cardiology only to try to master the heart. And he said, strange things I learned. When people come in with the symptoms of a heart attack, he said, when you check them, they hadn't had the heart attack. It hadn't occurred as a rule. Unless they had spoken with their mouth first. He said, when people come in and said, I have tremendous pain in my chest, I want you to see what it is. Well, maybe I have a heart attack. No, I'm not going to agree with that. I don't believe I have had a heart attack at all. I just believe I've had some kind of pain in my chest. He said, there was never nothing wrong. I could never find anything wrong with those people. But I said, well, maybe you've had a heart attack. And they said, that's exactly what I think it is. He said, I would check the heart, and the clotting would already be taking place, and the heart attack was taking place. And he said, I realized then, I started making notes, and every person that agreed that they had had a heart attack had a heart attack. Every person that did not agree that said, no, I just got a pain in my chest, not one of them had any symptoms of a heart attack. Now then, Satan, the way the Lord defeated him for me and you, is he defeated him 
and completely triumphed over him. And he said, now then, the way you get this done is with your tongue. Until you give the devil legal right with your tongue, he can do nothing to you. So I'm going to hold you accountable. If you speak my words from my book, they will bring long life to you and health to all your flesh. So the thing you and I are going to have to learn to do as Christians is learn how to talk. If we learn how to talk, now I want you to turn back from here, and James, I want to turn back a few pages to the book of Ephesians, and I want you to see something else that God holds us accountable for in Ephesians chapter 5. I hear this all the time, and I have done this many times in my life, and this last week, Dave and I made a pact that we're going to do our best to stop what this Bible says we're not supposed to do in every areas of our life. Now, we don't realize the importance of our words. But in Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 1, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Follow God in everything you do because we're His children. We're supposed to be like our Heavenly Father. Jesus was our example. And walk in love. That's the next greatest requirement. Walk in love. If you don't know what that is, you have to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, and find out what love is. And it's very demanding. It's very hard to do. But that Lord told us to do it. Walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanliness, our covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Now those are some pretty gross sins, aren't they? Well, let's go on down a little bit further. But fornication and all uncleanliness are covetous. Let it not be once named among you as becoming saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking or jesting which are not convenient or suitable, but rather giving of thanks. Now, I want, to, I want you to think about foolish talking and jesting. Foolish talking. We're sitting around talking about nothing. I mean, we're just, you know, saying things. We're as human beings. Jesting. Your sister walks in. She weighs 200 pounds. You say, hi, Slim, how are you doing? You see, heard people say those kind of statements? Is that jesting? Is that speaking lightly of your sister? Yes. A guy comes in in the workforce. He comes in, you say something, say, this guy, nothing he ever does is right. Now, you said that in jest, but you heard him. Where did God place these two little foolish talking and jesting? What kind of companions did he place that in the center of? Huh? Fornicators? Covetousness? Uncleanliness? 
Now, who in the world would think that if you went out and committed adultery, that God would put you in the same class as somebody that's jesting or foolishly talking? But I didn't do that. I've got to meet the same criteria you got to meet. Is our words important? Yes. Not just yes, but very important. Because look what he says on down there. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an adulterer has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain or empty words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Do you think your words are important? We say a lot of things, but here's the thing we have not understood. It took me two-thirds of my life to learn these principles that I'm teaching you today. Two-thirds of my life to understand that by faith I speak in the name of Jesus and the power of God goes forth to heal a human body. I lay hands on the sick and say, Come out of him in Jesus' name. Be healed. And the body's healed. How'd you get that done? Words. How did you make him sick? In Proverbs eighteen twenty one, what does that say? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And every man shall eat the fruit of his tongue. So if the enemy comes upon you to put a symptom upon you, and he certainly can do that, if sickness and disease comes from the devil and a symptom comes upon you of any kind, whatever it is, you must not agree with that symptom as to what it looks like or feels like. You must only agree and speak what God's Word says. Now, if you speak only what God's Word says, that's what James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself to God, resist the devil with it is written, and he will flee from you. What happens is, like Miss Jan said, I believe Miss Jan said this a while ago, maybe it was somebody else, that not every time does the enemy leave immediately when you pray or when you speak. I know there's some of you in this room right here, we have fought some battles with you and the enemy for days before. Like this example she was talking about with this precious young lady, we fought this battle for months. I mean, we had a young woman that had a demon in her, or multitudes of demons in her, and I'm telling you, we fought the battle. Only Jen and God and a few others in this room knows the nights we spent at home till midnight or later rebuking the devil and praying for this woman. But you don't ever give up. Because you know if you don't give up, you're always going to be the victor, right? But when the devil comes in and he don't want to, re- he don't want to give up, That's one of those kind that Jesus told you this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. You spend a little time praying and fasting, and then that demon will come out. And then some of those others out there, he said, these you must 
take by force by becoming violent with my word. Some of those devils, they're pretty tough. But when we don't give up, we beat them every time with God's word. Now, when a demon, I mean, just think, a demon that comes in to mess you up, to mess up whatever your, like your back, like Bo sitting over here. The devil come in and messed up his back and knocked him down. And although he's a prophet of God, a year he was flat of his back. And then another year he can't do nothing except pick up a fork or a pencil. And then finally one day he listened to the two tapes that I had made. And when he listened to those, he said, God, what that man said on those tapes is your word. He said, why have I been down with my back for two years? And God clearly spoke to him and said, because of your unbelief. He said, Lord, I'll repent. And instantly, he was healed of a two-year back injury. What does God expect you and me to do? To believe his word. Now, whenever the enemy come upon him two years before that and put that pain in his back, if he, although no telling how severe that pain was, if he had not agreed with that pain, if he had rebuked that pain and stood on God's word with no doubt in his heart, I'm going to tell you, anywhere from a few minutes to a matter of days, he'd have been back up out in the workforce working. But he didn't understand how to fight the battle. When you understand that our Jesus has given us all authority, just like he told the story a while ago about his brother. He comes in, and whenever he comes in where a cat was... When you come in and your nose begins to stop up, guess what's the first thought that comes to your mind? I'm allergic or allergies uh, to a cat. What did he do with his mouth? He cursed himself. His body is yielding to his words. Did the Word of God say, your mouth will defile your entire body? Do you want to defile your body and kill it early? No. Most of us don't. None of us want to. But we do it because we don't know. Just like Friday afternoon, I went into Home Depot to get a circuit breaker. And I'm in there looking for a circuit breaker. And a guy walks up, and him and his wife, and she's got a list, and he's going through looking for breakers. And she said something. He said, what's that? She said again. He said, I can't remember five minutes. He said, I'm getting old, and I'm losing my mind. Hey, you look like he's all of 50, Maybe. You know, maybe 45 or 50. And I said, sir, after I heard, you, heard him say that a couple of times, I said, sir, could I ask you a question? He said, sure. I said, are you a Christian? He stopped. He said, well, yeah. I said, ma'am, are you a Christian? She said, yes. I said, good. If y'all are my brother and sister in Christ, I'd like to tell you something that you're doing wrong. He said, what? I said, your mouth. You're condemning your body. He looked at me and said, What? I said, you said a couple of times that you're getting old and you can't remember. I said, you're training your mind not to remember. I said, God says you can have what you say with your mouth. Did he not say that in his word several times over and over? Therefore, whatever you say, if you believe it with your heart, you can have and you will have whatever you say. So, if we say the wrong things, I said, sir... You're condemning your body. You're defiling your whole body. And he looked at me kind of strange. And he turned and started getting his stuff again. So I started getting mine. And his cell phone rang. And this hasn't been three minutes now since I just told him this. 
and the phone rang, and somebody said something, and he said, must have said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going crazy trying to find some turkey breakers. I'm going crazy. And then a little while later, he's talking to the person. He said, well, if I don't go crazy before I get this done, he said, I guess I'll be old today, but I'm just going crazy in what I'm doing. And I thought, mister, when you get to be a few years older and you come down with Alzheimer's, you've done it to yourself. But you think he'll ever believe that? No. What did the Word of God say? If you hide these words in your heart, they'll bring health to how much of your flesh? All. All. And they'll bring what kind of life? A short life? A long life. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I personally would like to have a long, good, healthy life. Wouldn't you, James? I certainly don't want a short one. Amen. Now, that's the way to do it. But for you and me to do that, James, we've got to learn how to talk. We've got to learn how to speak only the words in this magnificent book. When we learn to speak every word in this book, you will never speak sickness and disease again. You don't know how many people that come to me in the healing school, and I say, what's wrong with you? And they say, well, I have my list. I have five, ten, fifteen things wrong with me. They have their list. And they say, well, my emphysema. What have they done wrong? They've claimed it. They've claimed it. So what have they done? They have given this enemy that's totally defeated, that's been destroyed on the cross 2,000 years ago, that brought the curse into the garden of sin and sickness and disease. He has been totally, totally destroyed, and yet they have given him legal right to come upon them with their own tongue. Now, if you learn how to talk and you take authority over that, I mean, I have had those experiences since I've learned these things, and many of you have heard me on one of my tapes when I tell the story about how the devil hit me in the back that Saturday out there in my, car, my truck shop. I mean, he, he hit me so painful, I literally fell over the truck hood of my truck, and I could not stand up. That's how bad the pain was. Now, see, I've been down in my back six times like that in the past, so he's going to hit me again. Only this time, I know the word. This time, I look up smiling and say, Oh, Lord, Lord. I want to thank you and praise you for one more opportunity to prove as greater as the Holy Spirit is in me that that devil will just hit me in the back. Oh, glory to God. Lord, I want to thank you that Isaiah 53, 4 said, Jesus bore my pain. Thank you you that Isaiah 53, 5 said, With your stripes I was healed. Lord, thank you that Matthew 8, 17 says that you bore my sickness and removed my disease. Glory to God. And Lord, thank you that First Peter 2.24 said, With your stripes I was healed. So if I was, I am. I'm not sick. Lord, now that Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20 so clearly says that all power is given to me over the devil. And he has to be subject to me in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, I'm going to command that devil to leave me, and he's got to leave, and I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to walk off from here, and I'm going to do everything I wanted to do, and I'm going to have no pain. And you push yourself up in that. He's twisting your back. He said, I'm going to show you this ain't going to work. And you turn, and you take that first step, and you almost wobble because it hurts so bad. You said, devil, you're out of here because the Word of God declares I'm healed and he bore my pain. So I'm going. And you take that second step and that devil's half gone. And the time you take that third step, you run in full bore and you ain't never had another pain in your back to this day. That's the way you get it done. You don't yield to the devil. When he comes upon you to put a pain or a symptom upon you, and I'm going to tell you, and of course there's no, I guess there's nobody in this place 
that has experienced this in the supernatural pain greater than Wally did. I mean, but after his heart trouble, when he learned these things and got a hold of these things, even to the point that for, I think, three days and nights in his apartment, the doctors told him he's going to die, there ain't nothing he could do, and he continues to stay on the Word of God. And after about the third day, the devil finally left him, and Wally has been able to do everything he wants to do, but yet before then, he is going to die. And you're grateful, aren't you, Wally? Praise the King. But see, he, he had a whole lot of this down, but when he come and started hearing me teach the Word of God, he found that little extra link that he didn't know. With everything he had learned from all the other preachers, he'd been there, he learned one extra little key that he needed, and when he got it, he applied it by faith, and he drove out the devil, and there's a man that the doctor said would never work again, had already had, already had uh, done a heart, open heart surgery on him, and said with all the blood clots in him and his legs and everywhere else, he would never work again. He had a stack of medicine he had to take every day. If you don't take these, you're going to die. And when he got a hold of this, he threw everything away and said, Jesus is my healer. And he said, I'm standing on the word. And that devil would take him out. And I mean, make him think he's going to die. He would literally pass out. As he passed out, he said, the, doctor, the devil said, you better call 911 because you ain't going to wake up. He said, oh no, devil. I have authority over you in the name of Jesus. And he laid down in an apartment and fought that devil for three days and nights. And at the end of the third day, he got up and walked out of that place totally healed. Now that just goes to show you what you can do with the Word of God. You don't never yield to the devil, do you, Miss Jan? Never. You don't never yield to the devil. You always stand on God's mighty Word. And as you stand on God's mighty word, we've got multitudes of experiences to tell you and to guarantee you these things do work. Now, we had a question back here. Oh, I was just going to confirm what Thurman is saying because I had prayed for a lady last week, and the lady had heart problems. She had, she was, you know, had heart pains and shortness of breath and everything. So I prayed for her and cast a demon out of her. About, I guess about maybe three or four days after that, I was lying in my bed at home, and all of a sudden, I started breathing hard. And I said, oh, no. I said, mm-mm. I laid down that night. I got up. I started. I was driving and taking a boy somewhere. I started taking a boy somewhere. And I was in, my, in the van. I, my heart was being fast, and the devil was trying to come to me. Oh, you're going to have a heart attack. But see, like he's saying, the power of the tongue is so awesome. We have power in our tongue. I would never receive it. I got out of my van. I said, okay, I'm going to pray, but I don't want any distractions because I, I want to take care of you, but I'm going to stop this van and pull over. So I stopped the van and I pulled over, and I started using the Word of God and just proclaiming. I said, uh-uh, I'm healed. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Jesus was wounded for my transgression. I was just using all the healing scriptures, and I took authority over there, and I said, I'll have power and authority over you, and it left just like that. Just like that. But see, the enemy was trying to make, oh, you're going to have a heart attack, you know. I said, oh, no. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law, and I'm here by the stripes of Jesus, and you have no legal right to me and no power over me. And I took authority over that, but I never spoke it out of my mouth. I never spoke it. I never agreed with it. Amen. If, praise the Lord. If you don't agree with the situation at hand, of course, last Sunday... Debbie gave me the tape about raised from the dead. I'm sure many of you have seen that video. But I think about that woman, that little African woman, that her husband, which was a preacher, which drove down an embankment, come into the house, and just before he got to the house, he stepped on the brakes on that uh, Mercedes car he was driving, and the brake went completely to the floor, and he ran into a column and drove the steering column right through his chest, and it killed him. Now then, this woman 
She said, the word of God says, by faith, women have seen their husbands raised back from the dead. It does say that, doesn't it? How many of us are willing to stand on that? Most of us are not. But this little lady did. And now then you've got to realize that this man had already been sent to the morgue. They had put all the stuff in him. They prepared his body. She would not let them bury her, him. Said, Reinhardt Bonke is going to be Bonke. He's going to be preaching. And everybody in Africa knows where Bonke shows up. The God that we love shows up. Because he believes him. And that has got to be the only man I've ever seen in history that I've ever seen that on the TV, when you see him on TBN or wherever it is, that there is a wave of people. As far as the eye can see, his crowds now are up to 1.5 million at a setting. I can't even fathom that. I can't imagine people that will walk for days to come hear anybody preach God's Word. But if you know it like I do, you'd go. And those people know things happen. So when they hear bonkies anywhere, they take their sick, they take their afflicted, they go. Because just like it was in the days of Jesus, people came to see Jesus. Well, let me tell you, where bonky goes, Jesus is there. Amen. He's there. He shows up. And so this woman says, Bunky's going to be preaching. And I heard he did. We're going to take my husband down there. And we're going to take him in there. And whenever Bunky starts praying for the sick, God is going to raise my husband from the dead. Not maybe. God's going to raise my husband from the dead. Well, they come down there. And they look and say, what do you got? A hearse here. He said, yeah, with my husband in this casket. So the police comes out and they open a casket. And it's a dead man. They said, well, but maybe there's a bomb in a casket. We're not going to let you take that casket in there. Okay. If you take him in there, you've got to take him out of the casket. That way we know there's not a bomb in there. So they took him out of the casket. I mean, he's only been dead three days. Can you imagine how hard and stiff this body is? Yeah. And so they take him in, take him downstairs into the youth room, down under where Bonky is. Now they just lay him on a table. And when Bonky starts praying for people, all of a sudden this hard, cold body, the stomach starts coming in and out. I mean, they run upstairs and get a camera. A guy comes downstairs and starts videoing this as this guy, little by little, starts breathing and moving. And this guy that's on that video says, I started massaging his hands as they're hard as a rock. And then they start massaging and his hands get soft. And then they start moving his head. and said, it's hard and stiff as a board. And then all of a sudden it begins to get soft. And all of a sudden he sets up and says, where's my file? This man's only been dead three days. Where's my file? Where's my file? What do you mean, where's your file? Well, nobody knew what he meant. Well, after he's fully restored, he said, while I was in heaven, I was walking around with an angel, and an angel was telling me, write down these things. Take this file and write down these things. He wanted to know where that file was he wrote all them things down on. Where's my file? Because he saw a lot of wonderful things. A lot of wonderful things. The man got to go to heaven... And he got to go to hell. Mmm. What a trip. Got to see both. So he gets to come back and here everybody knows this man's dead. They've all seen him for three days. And then his wife takes him down to this place and by faith she takes him down and God raises him from the dead. He comes back from the dead totally alive and total normal. Had a trip to hell and a trip to heaven. And he wrote all this stuff down to tell us what he saw. And then, because everybody knows, this hit the papers, the magazines, and everything all over Africa. 
And from November till April, they had over 9 million written conversions of faith. People come to Christ because they heard about this awesome miracle. What can God do? We really don't believe that, do we? Yeah, that's it right there. We really don't believe God can in the church. We really don't, but we say we do, but we really don't believe it. Because when something comes to your house and the devil puts you to the test, if you're not very careful and you're not a very well-trained Christian, you will fall by the wayside. And you will speak the wrong things out of your tongue and you will defile your entire body. And sickness and disease will come up on your body. And then you'll pray and beg and plead and ask God to heal you. And you'll never repent for your sin of unbelief. But yet God is gracious and many times He will heal you. When you cry out to Him. And aren't we glad we serve a gracious and mighty God? If He wasn't gracious and mighty and long-suffering and His mercies new every morning, guess how many of us would be here? Me and, you, me and Dave talked about that last week. He said, Matt, I would have been taken out eons ago. <laughs> he must have been nearly as bad as I was when he was a teenager. <laughs> Isn't it awful that we don't know the Word? If we knew the Word, once we learn the Word, then we teach it to our babies, can't we, James? And when you teach it to your babies, then they learn coming up what to expect. They won't ever have to go through what me and you went through. They won't have to be killing those sins because they'll know what's wrong. They'll walk holy before God. They'll know the consequences of sin. So they'll walk holy before the King. So today, out of this message today, I want you to know the most important thing you can do after you make Jesus your Lord and Savior is begin to read and hide this Word in your heart and learn how to speak only God's Word. Now then, if you will do everything the king says, and you really get to where you can believe these words, you can get to where you will expect to walk in divine health. No sickness and disease will come by your house. And then after you realize this is a reality, then you can begin to believe the greater promises, which is in this book. And on these three promises... We're going to close on these three promises. We're going to go to First Timothy or Second Timothy chapter one. I got a big thick piece of paper in my Bible I have trouble finding some of the scriptures I want you to think about the magnitude of these promises there's three promises here if you think that divine health is an awesome place to walk it is but I'm telling you we need to learn not only to be sons and daughters of the king and to walk in divine health. But we need to go a step beyond that and expect all of the promises of God to become ours. Now, for those to become yours, you're going to have to learn how to talk.
Did the Lord really say in His Word, He renews your youth daily like the eagles? If He really said that, Elaine, we need to, we need to claim that, don't we? So, we need to stop claiming that we're getting old and worn out, right? How many people do you know that come in the afternoon and walk in and, and to your wife and they've had a hard day and they say, Boy, honey, am I bushed? I am tired. I am so wore out. I can't do nothing. You have just condemned your body. Your body's going to be tired. But you say, No, my body is subject to me. My body is not tired. I recover very rapidly. So I can go do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Learn to speak God's Word. Don't go by what your five physical senses are. Speak the Word of God. And as you do, you'll find out you don't get tired. I've had a many a person tell me, I do not understand how you do what you do. I don't understand how you can work all day. I don't understand how you can talk on the telephone with people, go out and work on a building till dark every night, and then come and go minister to people. Some of them be up until 1 and 2 in the morning, and next morning you're out there working on a building again. How do you do that? I said, it's simple. By the power of God. By the power of God. Now, what if I start confessing? Oh, man, I'm, gee, I'm 64. I'm, I'm retirement age. I mean, I'm supposed to not be able to do anything when you get 65 or 70. I mean, give me a break. I mean, it's time for me to sit back in a chair and, and throw my feet up and watch TV and, and drink soda pop and eat popcorn. You know, I've earned that. Well, if you want to do that and die in a year, that's okay. But me and you, Miss Billy, we ain't going to do that, are we? No, we ain't going to do that. Because look at this promise in, in uh, 2 Timothy 1.10. 2 Timothy 1.10. Now, this means exactly what it says. Now, most people don't believe you can walk in divine health. Most people don't even believe that Jesus will heal you every time. Most people don't know Jesus healed you on the cross 2,000 years ago. Most people don't believe the devil is the instigator of sickness and disease, and you have been given power over him, and no Christian should ever be sick again. How many Christians do you know that believe that? How many Christians do you know that walk in that? There's a few of us getting there. Amen. There's a few of us that's getting there. Because God said He worked for me for 17 years. Now, it didn't work for me for the first majority of my life. Why did it not work for me the first majority of my life? I didn't know it. I didn't know I could heal the sick. I didn't know I could do all those things. So it was impossible for me to receive something by faith that I didn't know. That's why now everything I teach, I teach it to you right out of God's Word and let you decide for yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit. What do you think this means? Just like this, this verse right here in First Timothy, Second Timothy, one ten says, "But is now made manifest." When was this made manifest? Now. now. It was done two thousand years ago. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. What made this promise come to pass? By Jesus coming to the earth two thousand years ago. By the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has already abolished death. He's already done it. And has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Through the gospel, if light and immortality... What does immortality mean? Hey, you understand that just like I do. Immortality. You mean it's possible for a Christian to have immortality in the flesh now? You don't think so? What did he say? What did he say? He has abolished death 
and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. How are you going to learn this is yours? Through the gospel. The good news. Now then, let's go a little bit further from this. That's a pretty big mouthful to grasp, isn't it? It's already done. Well, let me turn you back to the apostle that John that could not be killed. He knew this promise. I want you to turn to John 8. And I want you to see this magnificent promise of the king through the apostle John. Now remember, all of the apostles learned this secret. Or this truth. It's not a secret. It's a truth. How many of the apostles died a normal death? Not one single one of them. Every one of them was murdered except John. And John, they throwed him in a pot of boiling oil. How many of you, if they started to throw you in a pot of boiling oil, would know before you got thrown in that you were fixing to die? Every one of you. Every one of you go by your sight. But John knew that he had immortality in the flesh. And they throwed him in a pot of boiling oil, and it did not kill him. All the apostles died by either cutting their head off or whatever. Now, if he's already given us immortality, he's already abolished death, then why is it that we have been so deceived by the enemy? Go back to John 8, 51, and I want you to see what Jesus said when he said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, If a man keeps my sayings, if you do what? Keep his sayings. What does he say will happen? You shall never see death. Is that a mouthful? I mean, Jesus said that. I mean, I'm, this, is, this is not my gospel. This is his. I didn't make these statements. The king did. But I realized the king said I could have power over the enemy and I could heal the sick too, but I didn't believe that either most of my life. And I couldn't do it until I got to where I believed it was man. When I believed it was man, it began to work for me. And then when I realized that, hey, getting healed is a wonderful thing, but why can't I go a step further and walk in divine health? So if I'm obedient to the commands of everything Jesus said and walk holy before him, he said I don't never have to be sick again. So I like that better than having to get healed. So I like that so good, I decided to just receive him as my healer. And then every time the devil tries to come upon me, I kick him out in the name of Jesus and tell him, you're not going to make me sick. And it has worked perfect for me for 17 years. And I am so confident the Word of God is going to work for me, I am confident that He renews my youth daily like the eagles. And that's how my son can stand amazed at the average man, 64 years old, cannot even begin to do what I've been doing out there the last six or eight weeks building that big building. I mean, it's an 11,000 foot project with three men, two, most two for the first two weeks, me and my nephew. And then Dave came in with us the last several weeks. Six or eight weeks he's been out there working. For three men to build an 11,000 square foot building is not just a little bitty chore. You know that? Most people say, good grief, you've got to have at least a dozen men. Well, if that's what you think it's going to take and that's the only way you can do it, then that's where your limitations are. But I feel like three of us can do it. And so far, we've done a pretty awesome job, I think. Don't you, Dave? Amen. We, put, we spent some good hours out there. But Jesus said... Truly, truly, I say unto you, 
if a man keeps my sayings. You see that if there? Is that a pretty big word? If a man, that's women too, ladies. If a woman or a man keeps my sayings, he shall never see death. Well, let's turn over to John 11. And I want you to see verse 26. When Jesus said this, the Pharisees went crazy. In verse 25, he says, And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Is Jesus able to raise the dead? Yeah, he was getting ready to raise Lazarus. How many days had Lazarus been dead? Four days. Is that a problem with the king? Oh, no. He just called him forth. He came right out of there. Now, the thing you've got to know, that when they embalmed and put Lazarus in the cocoon, and embalmed him with a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloe, Lazarus did not walk out of that tomb. The scripture doesn't say he walked out of that tomb. It says, and Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And it says, and Lazarus stood in the doorway of the tomb. In his cocoon, in his mummy, with a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloe. Let me tell you, if you've ever been to Egypt and you've seen a person mummified like I have, when they get through wrapping you up, with a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloe, you are a well-sealed mummy. And I'm going to guarantee you, you don't walk in that mummy. That's why when John and Peter come running to the tomb that morning after Jesus had been put into that cocoon with a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloe, and John run up there and looked in, and he thought, he's still there. There lay the cocoon. But Peter was a little older and a little slower. So he come lumbering up through there, and he run along about John, and he run in, and he looked down in there, and it says, And Peter believed. Why? Because when he run up and looked down in that hole where the face was, there ain't nobody in that cocoon. The cocoon's still laying there, but Jesus is not in it. Amen. He went out of it. And when you walk up and see that cocoon that Jesus was in laying there, and you look down that hole where the face was, and it's empty, Man, you can believe that, can't you? Praise God. But look what happens here. When he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? No, we don't believe that. No, we don't believe that. You just start listening to Christians. How are you doing today? Oh, praise God, I'm doing pretty good. When you say something nice, I say, boy, do you hear what he said? That just tickles me to death. I know you never heard a Christian say that. We speak death. We speak sickness and disease in the church. We in the church have never learned to speak God's word. When you learn to control your tongue and every word that comes out of your mouth is in accordance with what's written in this word, you're going to find that you can walk in divine health. You're going to learn you have dominion over your body. You're going to learn nothing is impossible with you, just like the king said. Now let's stop and back up and take that statement. Jesus turned and looked at us and said, If you can believe, Patty, if you can believe, Benjamin... Nothing shall be impossible with you. 
What kind of limitation did our king put on us, the church? None. The only place we limit ourselves is that thing right below our nose, right, Bo? Our tongue. What we say is what we have. He's given you power on the earth. He made you in His image and in His likeness. And He, you know why God knows the future? You know how He could write it in the book? Because He spoke it from the beginning. When He spoke it, it's got to happen. Because He's a faith God. Now then, what you speak on the earth, your powers are limited to the earth. What you speak on the earth is going to happen. You live in the world you have spoken by your mouth. You have either condemned yourself with your words, or you have justified yourself with your words. I know of a man that was 95 years old, and he learned these principles as a young man. And when you look at this man... You would swear this man couldn't be over 50. He had black hair. His eyes were not dimmed. He wore no glasses. He could read far away and up close. And every tooth in his head was perfect. And the question was asking, how did you do this? He said, it's very simple. I started learning the Bible at a very young age. And God revealed to me in his word that I would have in life what I said with my mouth. So he said, I have spoken only his word. Well, how old are you, sir? He said, I'm 95. 95? You've never had a problem with your teeth? Not one cavity. You've never wore glasses? Never. I can read up close, far away. And you dyed your hair? Nope. Every hair of my head's black. He said, I've commanded my hair to be black all my life. And he said, it's going to be black until Jesus translates me out of here. And you would think he was 50, maybe 50. Now, I know know a precious little Oriental woman that learned these principles. And when I saw her at Daystar Television a few years ago, she was 74 years old. And she was a Barbie doll. She was a beautiful little girl. She was only about this tall. But I'm telling you, how many of you have seen a Barbie doll? This woman looked like a Barbie doll. And I thought she was in her 30s, maybe 40s, maybe 40s. I found there was a picture of her there in the studio. So I got it, and I was talking to her there. And I said, ma'am, with the knowledge you have and the schools you've been to and what I've heard you say on television and the years you've spent in the ministry, I said, ma'am, your age must be very deceiving. I said, you've got to be a whole lot older than you look. I said, would you mind if I ask you how old you are? She said, no, I wouldn't mind at all. I said, how old are you? She said, 74. I said, 74? I said, I can't believe this. She said, that's what God's Word does for you, son. Woo! I said, okay. Wow. If it can keep you like so. I took that picture and went home. Now, my wife's a very good judge of women's age. I said, honey, look at this woman. I said, I know you're looking at a picture. How old do you think she is? I said, now, she's older than she looks. Okay, she said, maybe she's 40. I said, that's what I thought. You know how old she is? She said, 45? I said, nope, 74. She said, look, I'm not believing that. I said, honey, I talked to her myself. That's what she told me herself. Now, how would you like to be 74 and look like a Barbie doll and be 40 years old? And look like you were 40, 35 to 40. 
How many of you women would like that? Hey, how many of you guys would like to be like you were 74 and be like well, Mr. Whatever you want to call it? See, we all want to be there. How did these two people do this? They did it by believing this word. Now, when you're a man and you're 95 and you don't have a gray hair in your head, you have spoken to your hair and it's remained black, never dyed it, and you've never worn glasses and you can see perfect, your eyes are not dim, and you've never had a filling in your teeth or nothing, and you look like you're maybe 50 years old and you're 95. I, that's the way I want to be when I get 95. Now, if he done it, if Moses got to be 120 and his eyes were not dimmed, and he was still strong, and he could still climb that mountain, if God's no respecter of persons, if we could learn to control our tongue like Moses did for the last 40 years of his life, then we can do the same thing. But what was it that cost Moses his life? One lousy sin. One lousy sin. I thought, does anybody know what that was? What was it? Disobedience. Disobedience. Now, you've got to remember, he'd been leading this multitude of rebels. And he must have been a strong man, because I'd have probably lost it a long time before. But God says, Moses, speak to the rock. My people need water. Speak to the rock. And when you speak to the rock, the water will come forth. The water. The cattle and the people. Three million people. And Moses is so mad at this bunch of unbelieving, stiff-necked bunch. He said, you bunch of unbelievers. He said, God's going to give you water. And he takes his staff and he hits the rock and he said, water come forth. And it did. And water gushed out. God says, Moses, I didn't tell you to strike the rock. I told you to speak to the rock. And now because you've been disobedient, you shall not walk on the promised land. You think God has a problem with sin? I think He does. Now, if Moses did all the things he did, and he committed one sin at the end because he spoke one word wrong, if you're going to live to be 120 years old and not die and be healthy, you got your work cut out for you. See, I'm telling you what's possible, but I'm telling you it ain't going to be easy. I'm not going to tell you that you walk out of there and say, I heard Thurman say, I can be a Christian. I can live forever or 120 years till God translates me and brings me home. And I don't ever have to be sick again. And I don't have to do nothing to do that. I'm going to tell you that's a lie. you got your work cut out for you just like I do. You're going to have to learn to talk and walk holy before God. You're going to have to walk in perfection. Jesus said you have to keep how many of my commandments to do this? All of them. Not 99 and 9 tenths percent of them. All of them. But is it worth striving for? Yes. I think so. I'm going to try with all my heart. I'm going to do it with all of my heart. Thank you, James. I saw that smile. I ain't going to try, James. I'm going to do it. Are you and me going to do it? We're going to do it. We're going to work at it with all our heart, aren't we? We're going to work at it with all our heart. So we can be instruments that will bring glory to God. Can you imagine the glory that God would get if somebody walked up to you someday and says, Wow, you look like you're 40 years old. How old are you? 95. <laughs> wow, you're still preaching the gospel. Yeah, how do you do it? Well, I just believe God and done what He said. They said, Wow, I need to study this book. 
See, when we get to where we can do that, well, when's the last time you were sick? Oh, I ain't been sick since I was 40 years old. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, people want to walk there, right? Now, if we can demonstrate what God's Word says, others will want to be holy and walk where we've walked so they can do what we do. And it's worth it, isn't it, Dave? That's why Dave and I made a pact this week. We made a pact this week to, to be an iron to sharpen, man sharpen iron. That me and him's going to watch each other's words. And we're going to make sure that every word we say, if I say anything, he's going to immediately jump right over and say, Thurman, wait a minute now. You've got to catch that tongue. We're going to be men that's going to walk holy before God. No jesting, no joking, no foolish talking, and only speaking God's word in the workplace and everywhere. So we can be instruments that will bring glory and honor to our King. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. Isn't God awesome? Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, he, he deserves our worship and our praise. So praise the Lord. Philip, let's sing a song. Uh, we'll uh, close this out, and after this service is over, if anybody needs prayer, if you'll come up here, we'll be happy to pray for you. If you need to make any kind of decision, we will be happy yes, to pray for you. Oh, Bo, okay. I try to get this thing to work. There, there we go. Um, I have to catch you on one thing you said, brother. Okay. I love you. Amen. But you said, I can't believe people would walk for five days to hear a preacher of the gospel. I, 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 I retracted that. Yeah. I, wanted to, I wanted to make sure, though, yeah, yeah. that we understood that we can't, we can't really say those things because as, as you're walking as a mighty man of God, a mighty man of God, and what you say goes out into the earth. Yes. And so I just wanted to say to all of us that as we, what we say goes out into the earth yes. and performs either life or death. Yes, absolutely. Praise God. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Leave it on. We'll sing with it. Yes, we want to. We want to bring glory and honor to the Lord. And when I said that, I made that again in a form I should not have, in a form of jesting. See, I'm not supposed to do that because the average person. I had a person say the other day, "You need to come to Thurman's Healing School." What time does it start? One. What time is it over? What five or six? Four or five hours in a healing school. I mean, teaching. God. Nobody could sit in a class and listen to no preacher five hours. She said, "You can in this one." And this woman said, I, don't, I can't do that. But see, she had never been there. She doesn't realize how quick four hours go by when you start talking about God's Word. But it goes by in a hurry. So, praise God, we have to watch what we say. Everything, right? Praise the Lord.